you're listening to the Stronger Stride podcast with your hosts, Lydia Mackay and Sophie Lane. Have generally have very poor hamstring flexibility. Uh, you know, you ask runners to do a toe touch, and I'm a classic example of that. I can get charged probably just above my ankles. I've never yeah. been able to touch my toes. Um, but it, it's actually an advantage, you know, for, for runners to, to be um, tighter in that area. If you think of like an elastic band and, and uh, you know, a really wound up tight elastic band actually snaps back uh, a lot more with a lot more force than, than one that's really, really stretchy. And so for those hamstrings, it, it helps to, to store and release that energy a bit, uh, a bit better. Um, so that's where, where we see sometimes those, uh, those, those um, loss of flexibility can actually be a benefit sometimes. So how are you? I am so good, Lydia. How are you? Oh, I'm so great. Uh, are you going to welcome me to the show? Welcome, because, welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. You don't need to welcome. You're already here. Welcome to all the listeners. Hello, everyone. How are you? I know you can't respond right now when we say, Mm. how is everyone? But take this as an opportunity Mm. to just pause the episode and think, how am I? You Mm. know, body check, how are you feeling in Mm. your body? Take a deep breath. How are you feeling your energy, your mood? Are you excited? Are you relaxed? Are you dreading your long run or are you enjoying your long run? Yeah, I think whatever you're feeling should change to being excited because this episode that we have got coming up you are going to love I think everyone's gonna love it so just pump yourself up get amped get excited you should listen to a few minutes of us talking about rubbish and then it is just bang up bang up (laughs) (laughs) anyway Lydia please kick us off with the injury updates that everyone's waiting to hear I think I can't remember last time but I'm pretty sure there has been a revelation since last Mm. episode Oh, it's hard. I'm trying. Come on, so, be positive. Excited. Yes, yes I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, if you listen to the episode, I can't remember if I said this last time, but if not, oh well. But if you listen to the episode in December, and I sound so sad. You were really sad. Oh my gosh, so sad. Yeah. And it was true. I was really yeah. sad. Good to be honest. Yeah, well, it was. It was just how I was feeling, mm. and um, it wasn't. It wasn't a good feeling. Let me tell you that. And then the next episode, I'm like really excited again, which is how I have been, or how I normally am. Yeah, <laughs> how I have been. <laughs> um, and I think at the moment I'm like somewhere in this nice neutral space, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm aiming for. I'm aiming good. for being neutral because nice. I think when you're coming back from an injury slash when you're experiencing injury and I, I'm cautious to use the words coming back because I'm not too sure yet if that's the case. Um, but it's, it's very frustrating and it can be like a bit of a roller coaster, both emotionally and physically, because, mm-hmm. you know, you take a few steps forward, have a setback, a few steps forward, setback and progress is not linear. As I've said before, it does go up and down. So I think it can be tricky emotionally to deal with all of that. So I guess that's why I'm saying I want to be neutral because I mm. think I don't want to get too excited about, you know, whatever's going on, but it's also important to acknowledge and appreciate the things that go well, um, but also just, you know, take an objective approach. Um, yes. But pretty much <laughs> the actual logistics of what's happening. In summary. Um, 
In summary, <laughs> my favorite words in summary. So I'm trying to get into a sports doctor um, because we still don't actually know what's going on with my foot. And I haven't really explained this on the podcast, but I did have a stress fracture. I think the stress fracture has healed, but I've got some really weird thing happening in my foot with my toe and sort of the medial part of my foot, which are both completely separate sites to where the stress fracture was. Got some sensation changes, some sort of numb numbness and like weird tingly things Uh, I've actually had to stop swimming because that's been bad for my foot and to top it off I kicked my toe when we were camping on the weekend on my tent peg oh I tried to like not I was just like oh my gosh you're okay but then I like didn't want to make it a thing because I was like this is act casual (laughs) remain neutral remain neutral we're not sad or happy. Because <laughs> you can't win with me. I'm always like, let's be positive, glass half full. I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, we're in the middle. We're neutral. Yeah. The glass there is, is no glass. Yeah, that's it. The glass is out. The glass is, the glass is off the it's table. It's a mug. It's a coffee mug. <laughs> oh, yeah, a coffee mug. Not on the table, though, because you'll stay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, anyway, oh, so my foot is just lots and lots of things. Every day <laughs> is a little bit different. But I did start some run walk. You so did. for anyone who's had like a somewhat significant injury, you'll probably have commenced your return to run journey as a walk run. Well, mm. I'm going to say you hopefully have if you've mm. had a significant enough injury. You know, maybe not, it's not necessarily the right approach for everyone, but when you've had a period of extended non-weight-bearing anamobilization, it's a really good way to go. And considering my foot has been so swollen, I'm only sort of just the last couple of weeks getting back to normal shoes. (laughs) Gosh, am I losing my voice again? (laughs) Anyway, so my foot is finally a normal enough size to fit into my bigger joggers. So your foot is neutral, not swollen (laughs) nor underweight. (laughs) 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 you're really living out this neutral life and it's happening you're making it happen law of attraction that's it yeah attraction Um, neutral if you want a neutral life if you want an average life are you wearing gray as well (laughs) oh my goodness so many analogies it's just getting a lot but anyway I've started this walk run which is like the very first one I did was five minutes of walking one minute of running for six rounds And it's been okay. So I've done, I think, four sessions now, maybe three, and I keep going up and down. Sometimes I'm like, wow, look at me go. Um, (laughs) And then other times I'm like, gosh, I'm very slow. But I'm actually also probably running a bit too fast on my one minutes. Mm. Like, I was looking at one minute effort. The plan is not to look at my watch and run Mm. as slow as possible. But I was running on concrete. Huh? Oh, I know. I was running along the concrete and I was like, gosh, like, isn't this nice? Like I'm on my jetty strip. And it was like, I think 4.30 in the morning and it was pitch black. I couldn't see where I was going. It was raining. It was the windy. Yeah, I know. Honestly, I was like, this is me. This is me. This is me getting back to my roots, back to my core, running in the dark on my own, in the wind, in the rain. And I was just really enjoying it. And then I looked at my watch to see like how many seconds it had been. And it was the pace was 3.55. So 3.55. I don't know what happened. I I slowed down, obviously, but I'm just not good. good. I know. Anyway. I would be stoked, but 
not for you right now. No, not, not right now. Neutral, not fast. Not <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sore Achilles is the update now. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> on the same foot? Yes. Anyway, but it's Chop fine. It Chop it off. It's fine. Chop it off. I think that's, that is yeah. the next phase in my treatment. then, you know why? Paralympics is on. That's it. Just yeah. imagine me Watch in my um, strongest stride singlet at the Paralympics. Oh, yeah, there's a few <laughs> left. Very few. No mm. extra large men's or women's smalls, but anything else? Oh, <clears> yes, we have lots of updates for the, the singlets. Medium. If you're a medium, actually, you know what? It's just the day of neutrals. If you're it, a size yes. medium, <laughs> we've got a few. If you're not large and you're not small, <laughs> we've got you covered. If you're that in the be like our new motto, like be neutral, you know? We can get some. Be neutral. Just get medium. Be average. So you just got to squeeze in or have it loose depending on your situation. Yeah. I think we'll roll with that. That's it. I like it. New motto. Yeah. Why be um, the best when you could just be average? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have anything else to add. Um, but in summary, one more time. Oh, yeah. In summary. I'm missing my run today, which I'm happy with. Um, okay. And I will recommence on Sunday, which will mean that I've had one, two, three, four, five days off of running. Still going to the gym, but of, you know, aggravating the Achilles sure. um exciting things are singlets have arrived you know my lat's feeling good I hope my lat as well other update um that was a while ago now mm. uh, but yeah all the things are happening the singlets so the singlet. tell me have you yeah. taken the singlets for a run yet I tested it out yesterday King Kama Mountain oh. and they worked it worked a treat it worked no, were you average were you as average as I you was average to be? yeah 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 like not too good not too <laughs> The singlet, though, that's probably the only thing that's not average in this situation. So comfy, oh. really breathable. I didn't feel, like, too hot and sweaty. Um, yeah, just great great fit, like, didn't slide around too much, wasn't too tight, too restrictive. Amazing. Honestly, I would recommend them. If you're, look, if you're in the market for a singlet or if you're not, we've got you. You could be now. Yes. You could, as Flashrat <laughs> said, you can never have too many running singlets. Flashrat, you better order some more singlets. Well, he Well, he's already got his stock, but if anyone else needs any. You know where to, where to call. Where to call. Oh, give us a message. Give us a call. Tell yeah. me what else did you do the last two weeks? Um, how's your running How? going? How's your training prep for, I know we said we weren't going to speak about events, but you already have spoken about it on live, mm-hmm. uh, live <laughs> on, on the live. Um, tell us, oh, my goodness, we yeah. haven't spoken about this yet. I haven't spoken about this yet. Oh, my goodness. So, guys. For anyone who doesn't follow our Instagram, get on it, at Strongestride. For those who do know what I'm about to say, I was stuck in isolation, like 99. Actually, last time we recorded, you were in ISO, and then it was me. True. Anyway, like everyone else, we just thought we'd, you know, keep up with everyone. I was in ISO um, for a week at home, and I obviously wanted to go for a run. I've got my training plan I'm meant to be following couldn't go outside, couldn't leave the house, very frustrated. So I did a few laps on the Thursday, um, which was day two of ISO. Can we talk about what the few laps were of? Yes, I'll definitely describe the course in full detail. Um, Now I've got a roughly, I measured with my watch, so not sure exactly, almost 20 metre courtyard, okay, out the back. So it's all pavement except the last about two or three metres is chunky gravel crunchy um, rock. crunchy loud rocks i just discovered how loud they were at uh, 3am um and then there's three stairs about halfway through as well so that's the course right so i did a few laps i got three k's it took me half an hour which was just crazy but you got to imagine 
I'm starting from a dead stop. I'm like running a few steps, going up some stairs. And then I basically have to stop to turn around and come back. Cause there's not one end. I could kind of do a big U-turn. The other end, I literally had to stop dead, turn around. So you can't get that far or go that fast, or at least I couldn't in that situation. Anyway, did a few laps, posted on Instagram. Hey guys, did a few laps in the backyard, like want to do a challenge. And in my head, I was thinking, how cool would it be if I ran 10 Ks in the backyard? Like that would just be so cool. Like <laughs> that's a long way. And then I put it out there and got some suggestions in and eventually came up with the idea that I would do 30 minutes on 30 minutes off for 24 hours, starting at midnight on Sunday morning. So that was the plan. Wasn't sure how it was going to go. I've never done anything that involved sleep deprivation in the running. Oh, and it's a whole um, other thing. Isn't yeah, it? it adds a lot. Yeah. So I went to bed early the night before, woke up just before midnight, did my first few laps and it was awful. And you can go and watch back on the highlights on Instagram. I look exhausted. It was midnight. And I look so disorientated because I'm never awake at that time. Like I'm from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. That is the dream. Anything else, stop, go away. It's not It's not right for me. Anyway, so I was tired, got through those first early hours, but I had to do a shorter course because I didn't want to make up the neighbors. So I wasn't so the crunchy rocks. Yes, exactly. The so loud crunchy rocks. Yes. So way more laps, way less distance because I was turning so much more frequently. Um, and then the sun came up and I was loving it from about 6am till 10am. So much fun. Um, and then it got really hot. So it was hot. I was sleep deprived. I hadn't slept. I could luckily come in and have a drink and have a shower and stuff, which was really nice, but couldn't have too many showers because they didn't have unlimited outfits to change into all of those things. The minimalist life, you know? Yes. And I didn't have an abundance of food either. Cause obviously I was stuck in isolation. So I hadn't just been able to go and do a shop, but I had plenty of socks of tailwind, which got me through. Mm, very important. Like some tailwind for yourself please go to the website which is www.tailwindnutrition.com.au i believe something like we'll that. put it below um and use our code tailwind strong for your own supplies so good i had lemon and tropical and beck actually suggested to mix the two which is just Ooh. a dream combination like a little tropical cocktail you know felt like i was laying by Gosh. the beach it was great um anyway started getting dark it was nighttime. i was struggling i was over it but had so much support from everyone. Just a few shout outs. Flash Rat, of course. Nick as well, constantly messaging me. Did a few laps himself. Lara was like my biggest cheerleader. Oh. Everyone. I'm not going to list everyone because I was just. And I was people. not a good cheerleader. Lydia was I? had no reception. So she didn't. <laughs> um, but my mom. I was busy camping, tripping on tent pegs. Yeah. I was feeling the love. It was great. I was enjoying the chats in between laps. That was so much oh. more fun. I'd like do my laps, come back in and just like check messages and just chat to everyone. And I was really struggling by like 8 p.m. that night, but had a few people cheering me on, which really helped. Um, and yeah, and then by midnight the next night, 24 hours later, I had run 57 Ks in my backyard. So a few more than my <laughs> 10 Ks that I had intended. Um, and oh. yeah, I was just, I was stoked to do more than a marathon. I was stoked to do more than 50 Ks, like longest run ever. Obviously it's a different style and I had way more time to run and it's, it's completely different structure to just running continuously, but still longest distance covered in 24 hours. So that's still a PB and I'll take it. And such a good mental challenge. I learned a lot. Wow. Oh, mm. I mean, I just have so many questions. I, I think we should do an episode just, just talking about this. So if I would love to unpack the the highs okay. the lows nutrition strategy because mm. you forgot to mention um the humble potato which God. did feature during a run many it times did. yes it did. yeah yeah <clears throat> well maybe we'll have to chat about it on a separate episode because we've got too much to get through in this week. i know yeah um, so we'll leave it we'll park it there 
We'll park it there. But if anyone is interested, let us know because we could do either a live and you guys could ask questions as we go, although Soph has done some lives. Um, <laughs> but I think, Soph, so if you've done enough lives, yeah. no one wants to see you on the live. I honestly I came back to Instagram. So I was like seeing myself on that screen. Yeah. So many stories. Like, so many. Wow, gosh, I ran out of stories. What's been doing while I'm yeah. away? Busy. <laughs> Getting content. You're welcome. Everyone's going to forget that I'm a part of the podcast. I know. Well, I kept mentioning you saying where is she she's not replying um anyway that's enough from me we will talk about that at a later date but thank you all for your support mm. really appreciate it don't forget to use your discount code to save some money on your tailwind tailwind strong is the code we'll have that link below also if you're in the market for some new shoes vivo barefoot shoes are a great option especially mm. for your gym training or if you're walking or if you're looking at getting into some more minimal or barefoot running mm. we also yep. have a code which is just stronger stride and you can use yep. that below on the soul mechanics website so we're saving you guys money so you should thank us for that we thank you and you thank us for the discount so what a team we are now we are quick rundown of today's guest i know we've talked for so long so just a brief give us the five key points of the episode go lids five key points okay so number one is we had luke nelson who is a chiropractor this is also one point by the way his instagram <laughs> is sports chiro luke he Great is all about chiropractics for runners he is the director of his own business health and high performance he is the president of sports chiropractors new south yeah. wales which is a pretty big deal point two our first talk- president actually first chiropractor <laughs> first chiropractor on the show also first president on the show oh they who will be next who will be next? <laughs> Sophie Lane talking about her ultra. Um, <clears throat> point two is that we spoke about the hip. So a lot of our episodes cover quite quite a variety of topics within a topic, um, but we decided to sort of delve into the hip. So that is the main topic of the episode. Point three, we talk about the muscles, anatomy, the bones, the structure, mm. and how it relates to the rest of the body. Point three. You just said that. Four. <laughs> Lydia can't count. <laughs> no, I was just trying to trick you. Yeah. Um, point four is we talk about some assessments and strength tests that you can do at home. So Luke actually gives us some very detailed explanations of moves you can try out so you can get an idea of where you're sitting, how your hip strength is and how it may apply to your running. Um, and then the last point is we talk a bit about biomechanics, specific injuries within the hip. So I just made two points out of one. How great am I? One was Besardis. Oh, part five, one A is Besardis. (laughs) Oh, you're doing so well. I was about to give you the biggest compliment on how well you summarized. I just put you on the spot there with those five points. We didn't discuss that earlier. And you did did it so well. Hey, Besardis and two is hamstring tendinopathy. Or is so frightened. I know it's ham tendinopathy. I didn't have time to type. I'm busy. <laughs> I know, but I just thought it was really Called funny. efficiency. Um, um, sorry, ham summary. tendon. Watch out for those ham tendons. <laughs> great summary. Enjoy the episode, guys. We love you all so much. Thank you for listening once again. And thank you, Luke. You're a legend. And stay tuned for our episode with Luke in the future. We're going to book him mm-hmm. in. He doesn't know yet, but it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, let us know what you think of the episode. Subscribe. All those share, like, like review, review on Spotify as well. Yes, give us five stars, please. And yeah, follow us on Instagram if you're not already. And we will see you in Fortnite. Amazing. All right, welcome back, guys. Today we have the wonderful Luke Nelson on the podcast with us. Luke is a chiropractor, 
Um, he's got a number of different qualifications actually. He's a keen runner himself and treats a lot of runners every day in his practice, um, but we'll let him do the introducing if you like. So Luke, let us know a little bit about yourself. Welcome on. Thanks very much, Soph. And, and uh, yes, a, a long-time listener and, and first-time caller, as they say. So I've been uh, enjoying uh, hearing all your adventures over uh, over the, the last few episodes, or actually since since uh, the beginning. I think I've actually listened to some of the back uh, back uh, podcasts as well too. So it's an absolute Thank pleasure you. to be on, and and oh. yeah, talking about one of my favourite topics in uh, in running. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so Thanks much. So that much means for a lot. coming on, Luke. We're so <laughs> stoked to have you. And that's, so, that's such a big compliment. We're so stoked to hear that you've been a long-time listener, first-time caller. So yeah, I think it's, it's, today. it's a great accompaniment uh, on, the, uh, on my runs. I, I put, the, uh, put the earbuds in and, and uh, <laughs> listen to, actually, most of the podcasts I listen to on two times speed. So how, uh, <laughs> how you're talking is a little bit slower than I'm used to listening to, <laughs> yeah, you, actually. That's, right. so. <laughs> that's so funny. That'll be good. You'll have to listen to yourself on your next run. Oh, no. It's coming out this weekend. Uh, so yeah. it might be a little bit different for you. Look forward to it. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Do you want to let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself? So obviously you're a chiropractor and a runner. Um, you've been busy. It seems like you've got a heap of qualifications and you've done a lot of work in the area. So if you want to just give us a bit of a backstory from where it all sort of started and what you're up to at the moment. Yeah. So I, I initially graduated uh, as a chiropractor back in 2003 now. So yeah, it's been, been a few years that I've been in, in practice and been in private practice since that time. Uh, when I finished graduating, I, I had an interest in, always had an interest in sports and, and being active. And uh, around that time, I actually started to get a little bit more into running. I'd always played a lot of team sports uh, when I was younger, but running, I sort of got drawn to that because of the convenience of it. You know, I didn't have to play at a certain time and just with working late on, on days. And so I found myself yeah, being drawn to, to running. Uh, and then over the years, you've yeah, done more postgraduate study. I've done my, my postgrad in sports chiropractic and my master's in sports science. And yeah, just continue to evolve down the down the path of, of seeing more runners and, and becoming more involved in it myself. And, and so, yeah, I like to immerse myself in running, whether that's listening to podcasts or whether it's uh, being on podcasts or, or running myself. Um, really, uh, yeah, really, really enjoy it. So, um, and it's great to speak to some passionate, uh, fellow passionate runners as well too, because uh, my wife, she gets a bit sick of it uh, hearing me talk about running all the time. So it's great to have yeah. uh, have some others to, uh, to talk to about it. But, uh, but yeah, that's sort of been my, my path along along the years and I've had uh, involvement with a few associations over that time as well too so still involved with uh, Sports Medicine Australia on the Victorian committee there and then also as the current president of uh, Sports Cairo Australia as well so that's uh, in uh, my spare time and then I've got yeah. uh, got two two young kids as well too and, and, uh, and a wife so uh, yes there's, there's not a lot of time I just have to be very uh, very organized um, with uh, with my weekly schedule to fit it all in. Yeah it sounds busy well thank you so much for fitting us in because that's yeah I don't know how you managed to to get through all that and you're still treating patients and doing everything it's yeah sounds busy yes yeah i put it down to being that organized organized is uh i, I work best with structure so that's uh mm. yes as long as I, I i get to follow that we're uh, we, we're good <laughs> wow that's awesome and uh what sort of distance do you normally run luke are you more short long do you have a few different events up your sleeve yeah, well, I, I thought uh, I always thought that you know playing team sports and a lot of basketball when I was younger that I'd be I'd be quicker over the uh, the, the shorter distances. But uh, now I've actually found myself, and, and maybe it's as I'm as I'm getting older, I'm getting slower, but uh, finding myself going to the uh, the longer distances actually. So the uh, marathons, marathons is uh, is my preferred distance. Um, I've done five of those. Uh, I've done a couple of. Uh, well, I've done an ultra, I've done 56k, uh, plenty of halves along the way. 
and uh, then also did venture into triathlon for a little while too. So that was uh, just before we had kids and and uh, and the early stages. I, I did uh, do a couple of Ironman triathlons, but uh, yes, the time commitment for that got a little bit too great, and and uh, so ended up dropping the uh, two other disciplines and just sticking with uh, with running after that uh, mm. after that date. So so yeah, the long, longer stuff is my uh, my preference. Nice. Well, good choice. I think um, out of the three, surely running's the most the most fun. Sure. I, I think so too. I <laughs> yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, before we get into sort of today's topic, talking everything about hips and how that relates to running hip injuries and hip strength, can you just give us a little bit of info just briefly about what you actually do with runners? So I think you're, well, you're definitely our first chiro on the show. So for those that aren't really familiar with chiropractics, what you actually do, if they just think people just walk in, get cracked and walk out, can you give us a bit more of an understanding of what you actually do with runners specifically just day to day? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's certainly an honour to be uh, the first chiropractor on the on the podcast. So, um, But uh, what, what I guess traditionally chiropractic has been concerned around uh, the spine and the function of the spine. Um, but we found sort of over years and especially going into the sports side of things, I guess it, it sort of starts to resemble what uh, may have been traditionally considered a physiotherapy domain. Uh, but, you know, all throughout our, our studies, uh, when we do five years, five years at university, uh, we learn, obviously we learn spinal function, but we also do a lot of, lot of work on, uh, on, on the extremities as well. So ankles and knees and hips and wrist, elbow, shoulders, jaw, everything from the, from the uh, head to the toe there. So we, we spent a lot of time there and actually five years was pretty much dedicated to, to musculoskeletal. So I know in, in physiotherapy studies, you do a lot of, you know, you might do um, uh, neuro, you might do uh, cardiorespiratory, all, all those sort of things here. But in, in chiropractic, it's actually all you know, purely de- dedicated to musculoskeletal. So we do learn a lot about the function of, of uh, other areas of the body. And uh, but I've found myself uh, in my postgraduate sort of getting more and more interested in that, especially the, of the, the lower limb there as well. So, uh, you know, our examination and I guess the thing with um, things like this, this podcast and, and just all the wealth of information that's out there these days is that there's sort of becoming a bit of a blurring of the lines between the professions, if you like, and that there's, you know, a lot of things that may have been considered, you know, traditionally a chiropractic domain or considered a physiotherapy or osteopathy. And there's this real blending and, and, and merging now. Uh, and, and I think that's obviously to the, uh, to the benefit of the, of the patient or the runner, because it means that they get the best uh, evidence-based care. So I guess, you know, people, when I get asked this question all the time on, you know, podcasts like this, or, or just chatting to, to people and, and physios and, you know, they're sort of interested in, in my approach, but uh, you know, we do a usual, when we're, we're dealing with our runners, we, we take a, a full history and, you know, going through their, 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 uh, their training loads, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, we look at, and we do our physical examination. So we do things like range of movement. Um, uh, strength. I'm, I'm quite a quite a, uh, a big fan of, of assessing strength, uh, and then running gait assessment as well too, uh, and then sort of yeah, forming a, a comprehensive plan dependent on on where, where that runner is deficient in their strengths and weaknesses and, and where they want to get to. So I guess you know from that from that regard, it, it may look like you know it may look like a, an osteo that's sort of got a similar interest or, or a physio that's got a similar interest in in, in runners. Um, and I think that's, I think that's good. I think, as I said, it's, it's to the benefit of the, uh, of the, the, the runner, if we're all providing, you know, as, as best, uh, evidence-based care as we can, then I think that's a good thing. That's fantastic. Cause there is definitely, um, a negative stigma that's often surrounded by chiropractors. I mean, not, not in every area. Like I think everyone has a different perspective, but a lot of people see it as like the war between physios and chiros or potentially EP, osteopath 
Um, and I mean, I'll even have people ask me, oh, what do you think would be better? Like mm. getting a massage or seeing a chiropractor or seeing a physio? And it's crazy because there, there is such a big overlap between mm. a lot of the allied health. And I guess um, what stands out to me from what you said is it's always just coming back to the evidence. So I guess any practitioner within whatever field they're in, you know, you do your training, you have clients come in, you treat patients, um, maybe initially based on the main things you remember that you've been learned at uni, but I guess going forward, um, it is just about coming back to the evidence, isn't it? So I guess if that's what is at the core of your treatment, um, then, yeah. then, you know, there's going to be quite a big crossover between the different professions. Absolutely. And I think that's, um, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, every professional, every profession's got their, their, their bad eggs. It's not, uh, it's not just chiropractic. And, and uh, I certainly wouldn't say that we've got a higher proportion than any other, any other profession. Um, and this is always good ones and bad ones, no matter what you see. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 I mean, I work with a physiotherapist and we work quite well, quite well together. So, and, and I've, I've uh, collaborated before with, with other health professionals and, and physios and, and doctors. And, and so, yes, we all, we can all, all work well together and it really comes down to the individual strength. You know, if you believe that someone's better off with dealing with a certain condition or, or, uh, or, or a certain modality, then, you know, and you send it to, uh, send off to, to them. But I think, you know, the stereotypes are getting broken down. I mean, you know, there's also that, you know, with, with physio, I mean, you, you've got uh, the stereotype of, you know, you go in and, you, you know, you get some ultrasound and, and you send, mm. and, and some heat packs and you send you on the way. Uh, and I know that's not what, what, Physio, physiotherapy is and, and much like chiropractic is you know you go in rack and stack and crack them and, and, right. and out you go um, and again you know that those both of those sort of approaches are, are, are you know what we consider out, outdated and and uh, you know they are getting phased out as, as uh, people coming through university and and you know with this with this wealth of, of education that we've got we're uh, we're learning the, a, a better way to, uh, to 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 approach things yeah I think that's it and it's all about collaboration right as you said you work with other allied health professionals and clients that come in and see us we often have referrals from other people and I think it makes such a difference if everyone's on the same page and everyone knows what each other are doing so that there isn't we're not just doubling up on the same thing but we're actually all working towards the same goal mm. um, so yeah you're right I think it, it the, the title's almost irrelevant if you're all working towards the same the same goal and you're doing it the yeah based on evidence um, and the best practice and the best outcomes for the client then yeah it doesn't really matter what your title is yeah spot on mm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for dispelling some of those myths and mm -hmm. covering all of that for us. Um, let's get into it. So I think we really wanted to focus on a specific, I guess, area of the body. I think some of our other podcasts have been quite broad, but we want to sort of just get really specific into certain areas. And the hips seem to be quite a common one for runners that have issues. Um, so whether it's they're told that their glutes aren't firing or they've got hip bursitis or there's just so many, like it's, we could talk all day about it, but if you want to just give us a little bit of a basic overview initially of what role the hips play in running or um, a bit more of the anatomy and, and kind of background into the hips, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So the the, uh, the hips are obviously, you know, they're they're an important area. Without them, we, we couldn't run. Um, but uh, in terms of in terms of priority, uh, and we're going to talk about some of the sort of the demands placed on the hip. But we'll talk a little bit about the anatomy first for for our listeners. And and uh, the, the hip is is a ball and socket joint, so it's similar to the shoulder. But whereas the shoulder's got a lot of range of movement, uh, the hip doesn't quite have that same range of movement. It's uh, but it's a lot more stable, so it's sort of a deeper a deeper joint. For the runner, the, the main movement 
things that that hip goes into is it, it sort of moves forward, what we call in deflection, and then it goes behind us into, into extension there. And there are some other combinations of movement, some rotation and, and, and movement in and out as well, which, which occurs. But the main movement in running is that, that forwards and, and backwards movement. And we've got a number of muscles that, that surround the hip. Um, firstly, we've got our really our deep um, rotators of the hip there. So they're, they're quite deep to underneath our, our, our buttock muscles. And their job is to, is to stabilise the hip. Uh, then we've got, uh, as we come sort of closer to the skin, we've got our, our gluteal muscles and we've got three of those. So we've got our big ones around the butt uh, and, and that's the glute maximus. And then we've got around the side of the hip, we've got our glute medius and our glute minimus. And then as we go around to the front of the hip, we've got our hip flexors. That's another often oh. area that uh, runners will complain of. I've got, you know, tight, tight hip flexors through here and so on through the front of the hip. Uh, but then we've also got our, our thigh muscles. So our thigh muscles are our quads that they, they run over and cross over the hip there. And then around the backside, we've got our, uh, our um, um, hamstring muscles, which, which also cross the hip. The inside, we've got our adductors. And then more also on the outside, we can't forget, we've got our TFL as well too there. So there's a number of, number of muscles that all surround, surround the hip. So there's, there's quite, a few, quite a few things going on there. And, uh, and so when, when we're assessing a runner, it's, it's, you know, we go through and look at, the, um, look at those movements and, and assess those strengths in all those different directions. And, and we can perhaps talk about that a little bit, uh, a little bit later on. In terms of, of the demand on those muscles when, when we're running, so the, the number one muscle, and for those that, um, that follow me on social media, they know my, my, uh, my love for the calf muscles. So it's not quite the, uh, doesn't quite do the same amount of work that the calves do, um, but, um, but they, they do quite a bit, and especially uh, as we start to get into faster running speeds. So at slower running speeds, we don't get as much sort of hip involvement there. There's a little bit of activity in, in going on in through the, uh, the hamstrings and the hip flexors and, and, the, uh, and the, the, the glutes on the outside the glute medius but as we start to get faster that's where the hip flexors and the and the hamstrings really come into uh, come into effect and, and this is where we often see uh you know for the distance runner doing straining a hamstring is not that common unless they're doing a really you know a, 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 some intervals really quick work it tends to be more the sprinter that will see issues with that uh, with hamstrings in because that's where, where it gets uh, that that real high demand on uh, on on high running speeds um, but um, then we've also got what the, the glute medius, so that one on the outside of the hip, that actually does, you know, that, that's doing four times of, of four times body weight of, of work when we're uh, when we're running, especially when we and it's, it's main active, it's mainly active when our first our foot first hits the ground, uh, and its 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 job is to to stabilise the hip. So it's basically to stop to, to, to stop the pelvis from from dropping down uh, and to help to disperse the uh, the energy forces around around through the hip there. So to put that in in comparison. Comparison, you know, the same amount of work that the, uh, the, the carbs and especially that lower muscle, the, the soleus, that's doing up to over six times body weight. So it's not, not quite as much as, as the, uh, the carbs, but it's still pretty important there. Though. So I think it, it and, I, and I, can, I can understand where, you know, that, that, that health practitioner might have been coming from, but I think a better way to use it would either be that there is some weakness around there. Mm. Um, and, but the other, my other issue with that too is that, uh, that some people are given that diagnosis without even any strength testing. So they're just mm. sort of, you know, I've got a sore knee. Oh, yeah, you've got lazy glutes or your glutes are switched off it's like well okay firstly that doesn't happen but secondly how is that how is that diagnosed um so i think there's a lot of assumptions people assume that because you've got this therefore you must have this uh and that's where i think you're yeah, breaking it down and, and actually assessing the strength is is really important to see well have you got sufficient strength there or is it uh uh or is it is it something else um so 
Yes, I think the uh, the lazy glutes. I'd like to see mm. that uh, that that being out uh, outdone. Um, the glutes have a big glute muscles around the back there. Again, they're not. They don't actually do anywhere near as much work. I mean, we spoke about the, the glute med doing about four times the body weight. Really, even at, at faster speeds, the glute max um, is only doing two times two times uh, body weight of four. So it's it's not. It doesn't do a whole lot, especially for the distance runner. Mm. Um, its main job is to help. Has to help a little bit when we when we, when our foot land so it helps us sort of uh, decelerate a little bit uh, and it also does help a little bit with propulsion as well at the uh, at the backside but um, probably the one I think most most people refer to when they when runners say oh it's my glutes is usually the ones on the outside those those glute medius mm-hmm. so that's sort of a bit of a bit of a yeah rundown of the of the anatomy and function of those those muscles in the, uh, the hip joint itself um, and then in terms of things going wrong around the hips, uh, well, we, we see, uh, you mentioned before, you've got, you know, things like bursitis or tendinopathy, and uh, that, that can occur on the outside of the hip. Unfortunately, the female runner is more prone to, to that, um, to getting that, so that outside of hip pain. Uh, and then we have things like uh, we've got hamstring tendinopathy around the, in, the, in the buttock there. Um, you've got some low back issues that actually refer into the, into the hip as well. So it's important to, uh, to differentiate between you know, when someone's getting hip pain, we've got to figure out where that's, uh, where that's coming from. And, and sometimes that can be from, from the low back and the lumbar spine. Uh, and then around through the front, you've got those hip flexors. So you can actually have hip flexor tendinopathy. Um, but um, we tend to, I tend to find that a lot of people will may complain about, you know, they feel tight around the, the, the hips there. Uh, but in actual fact, it's, it's not tightness, but it's more a, a lack of a lack of strength that we're, we're dealing with around through there. Uh, and then we've got things like on the outside, again, the outside of the hip there, things like um, uh, what's called proximal ITB, which is more around the, the, the crest. So where you, the belt line is, uh, there can be some problems around, around through that. Uh, and the hip joint itself, and that's when we can see things like uh, like labral or uh, um, what's called femoroacetabular impingement. Uh, and in our older population, we may see some osteoarthritis in, in the hip there that may be, may be symptomatic. Uh, but they're probably the main conditions that we'll, we'll see in runners. Mm. Wow, thank you. That was that was good. I need to <laughs> listen to that again and write some notes. But there's a couple of things I wanted to go back through what you had just said. I think if we can just discuss a little bit more on the lazy glute situation, I think mm-hmm. how do you sort of navigate if someone comes into you and says that that's what they've been told, um, how do you sort of re-educate them on what's actually going on? I assume obviously you go through your assessments and then they probably understand through that. But if someone has just been told that and they, they're told that they've got to do these activations before they run or they're going to get injured or, or whatever it is, how do you navigate that conversation? Yeah, it's a good one. And, and yeah, you've got to, I guess you've got to uh, try and um, ascertain how entrenched that, that belief is in the runner. Like the, the runner may be, the runner may actually be dismissive of that. They may have said, of, oh, you know, I've got lazy glutes, but, you know, you know they, may, they may not believe it. Mm. So that sort of approach to that conversation is different to someone that's like really truly believes that you know that, that without doing these activation exercises they're going to fall apart yeah. um i think some of the ways that, that i'll do that is um and and you know doing strength testing as well and we can go through some of the, the home strength tests that our, our listeners can do but some of those you can actually prove to them you know sometimes their strength is good and, and that's actually then an easy easy conversation because you're like well you've actually got good strength look at this this mm. is your numbers and this is this is where you should be so how about we try you know how about we try not doing that or we sort of reduce it and if someone's in a 
you know, if someone's in a, got a, 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 a real firm belief, um, I, I think you've got to be very careful about um, basically telling them they're wrong because no one likes to be told they're wrong and, and uh, uh, you know, they can put up a bit of a front and then they're like, well, they're not going to listen to so all to anything that you, you've got to say. So I think you've got to be careful and, you know, the language that you do use and, and you know, not not rubbishing other health practitioners as well. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of doing that and not saying that, that anyone's, you know, that they're, they're doing it wrong. Uh, it's just like, well, well, how about we try something a little bit different and let's see if this works. Um, so, yeah, things like that. And I guess that doesn't need to happen, you know, on the initial, you know, the first time you meet them. It can be just sort of drip fed to them little bit by little bit that you might, I guess, plant a seed on that first visit. And then the next one you might sort of then just keep keep going along that uh, that lines to to get that change in, in behaviour or the change in, change in belief. So I don't, yeah, we, we can't we can't get everything all done in in, in one hit, um, but um, yeah, if we, we're sort of consistent with the, the message there, then uh, then we can see see a, a change in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess yeah. and then, um, do you think there's a more an issue with the language then? So could there still be a place for doing things like glute activations or whatever? people want to call them um but you know using that more as a hip control exercise as opposed to i mean it's, it's obviously not a true or typically not a true strength exercise um do you think it is more just that education and labeling around those things like do they still have a place yeah. those sort of movements yep 100 they do it's it, uh and you know i've got i've got runners that yeah that they they feel unless they you know get things moving and warm things up they you know they don't feel as good or they just feel better for, for doing it yeah absolutely I think it's more just the, the language and how we explain what we're what we're doing there so um and um so I think yeah I've got I've got no problem with with uh, those those exercises and I'll, I'll use them myself certainly as well and, and even if someone does have even if a runner does have good strength and they find that by doing that by doing those those lot of exercises they just feel better in their run and they start better well I'm not going to take it away just just for the sake of for sake of that it always comes back to you know the individual in front of you and because we're all different uh, what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another um so yeah I'm, I'm all for people doing these things absolutely but i just think that yeah so long as they're not made to feel sort of fragile and and uh you know that they're they're uh yeah that the leg's going to drop off sort of thing um then uh, then then that's that's fine <laughs> Yeah, cool. No, that, yeah, I think that's good. It's all about, yeah, language, isn't it, really? Mm, um, yeah. Another thing that you mentioned earlier on was about tight hip flexors, and it's a common complaint, um, tight hip flexors or tight hamstrings or tight glutes, and people just constantly say, I've just got to keep stretching and stretching and stretching, and if I don't stretch, then it's gonna something's going to snap or whatever. Yeah. How do you know? Obviously, we can assess people's range of motion and strength, but if you're just a runner mm. yourself, how do you know whether something is genuinely tight or short or an issue of range of motion or if it, is it just a weakness? How do you sort of differentiate between what's actually going? And, you know, it's hard to feel. We can only feel a sensation. We're not really sure what that actually is or what it refers to. How can we know ourselves that something is tight versus weak? Yeah, that's, and that's a really good point. And, 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 you know, we touched on that earlier on that, that, um, that a feeling of tightness can actually be very different from actual tightness and actual shortening of a muscle or stiffness of a, of a joint there. And quite often uh, when we're dealing with fatigue and fatigue in a runner, uh, we will feel quite, you know, tight and, and sore. And, you know, we see this, the two most common areas we see that are, are the calves. So we often see runners that complain and just really feel tight in, in the calves there. Uh, and the same thing in the, in the hip flexors as well. And what we've seen is that with 
uh, with strengthening in these in these areas uh, that that actually that sensation of tightness then goes away because it's, it's it's sort of the I guess the body's way of drawing attention saying hey we need some help here something something's not right it's not painful like we haven't you know there's there's, there's no alarm signals going off here but it's it's more just like yeah, it's just not not handling the load uh, and I mean I I sort of experienced this myself over over times where I've sort of built up to you know from building up to a marathon and you know those first few heavy weeks and and my car feel quite quite tight and 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 i just know that they're just it's just handling the load and um you know a bit of tlc to them helps get through that and and i, I know that you know with with strength and and uh, and running they, they adapt and, and they're fine so um we often see that in the in the runner and i think that you know there are some sort of some home tests that, that we get people to do uh to assess their strength and if they're, they're not there i'd always sort of suggest by you know starting with with strength first and uh and then see see if you get an improvement in the inner symptoms there um and i'm not i'm not against stretching in, in runners by any means i think that uh, you know sometimes uh you know people's mobility and their range of movement uh is is not that great or it may be enough for running but it's not enough to do the other things that they want to do say in the gym or just in in day-to-day life um because running itself doesn't require a lot of flexibility really like it's not a especially around the hips it's not there's not a great degree of 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 movement there we never really get to those those full ranges when you you know if you compare it to something like in the gym like a squat on the other hand which really does work that that full range um running doesn't uh, doesn't get there so and that's why a lot of runners have generally have very poor hamstring flexibility uh you know you ask runners to do a toe touch and i'm a classic example of that i can get charged probably just above my ankles i've never been able to touch my toes um but it's actually an advantage you know for for runners to to be um tighter in that area if you think of like an elastic band and and uh you know a really wound up tight elastic band actually snaps back uh, a lot more with a lot more force than than one that's really really stretchy and so for those hamstrings it it helps to to store and release that energy a bit uh, a bit better um so that's where where we see sometimes those uh those those um, loss of flexibility can actually be a benefit sometimes for, for runners as well. Um, I mean, there's a couple of around the, the hip flexors. There's a couple of home tests that, that people can do. Um, one would be um, sitting, and this is what we, we use clinically as well with a modified Thomas test. But what you do there is you sit on the very edge of a bed, uh, you lay down onto, onto your back, uh, and then so you've got your legs off the uh, from about your buttock downwards off the uh, off the edge of the bed there. Uh, and then you bring your knees to your chest and then you let go of one of the legs. Keep the, keep the other knee to your chest there and let the other leg just flop down. Now, normally what we like to see is that that leg that you've let go goes past parallel to the ground. So you can either watch yourself in a mirror or sort of film yourself when you're doing it. So you want to see that leg drop down. Now, if the leg's sort of holding holding upwards, then, then there may be some tightness around that, around that hip flexor or the hip joint itself or even sometimes the, the quads around there too can, can limit that. Uh, so that's that's one of the, the home tests that you know that our listeners can can try at home and see if they've got uh, if they've actually got you know a a, a loss of range in that um, that hip joint. Yeah, cool. So interesting, isn't it? Because um, that tight muscle feeling, or or just I guess I think mean, people just talk about it so much, don't they? And it's mm. it's so common. People, as as you said, so if, oh, I just need to stretch more. I need to stretch more. And I mean. I can relate like when something feels tight, you just want to stretch it. And I think mm. a lot of people tend to blame their injuries on these tight muscles. Yep. Um, but it's interesting. I often ask people like patients when they, they come to me telling me of these tight muscles, I'm like, but is it painful? Does it hurt when you move? And Oh no. So yeah. <laughs> it makes me think, do we, should we let go of this um, idea that we need to 
always stretch? Because I guess what you spoke about as well is thinking about, you know, what is your actual goal? And, and if you're not a gymnast um, and you don't require this mm. great range of motion and you, you can still um, obviously complete your day-to-day activities, you know, get up your mm. stairs, getting in and out of your car and whatnot. But, you know, should we really be looking more about what our activity is and, and what that requires rather than, oh, I can't touch my toes. Like that's yeah. not good. <laughs> Yeah, and it's something that's, uh, you know, I guess I've found myself using less of over the years. You know, in years gone by, I was probably more concerned with, you know, mobility, but uh, over the, you know, the last the last 10 years has been more, you know, more into the, the strength side of things and, and just seeing, I guess, you know, approaching it from, you know, working on a mobility point of view versus working on a strength. And I've just seen that taking that approach tends to get uh, tends to get better results and and you know again we're not saying for runners to stop stretching and if they, they feel that it, it works for them and, and you know it helps their, their recovery absolutely go for it um so you know occasionally i will give some some stretches to uh, to, to runners and and you know that could be as part of a warm-up or a cool down or just to do during the uh, during the week um but um but i think that there's probably been yeah over the years probably just in in running in general there's probably been a bit of an overemphasis on uh, on stretching um, but I think it still serves its place, and, and uh, um, but I think if if, if a lot more people could switch to uh, switch to strength, I mean, yeah, that would be that would be ideal. I mean, the classic example, I guess, is you see, uh, you know, in the, the marathon towards the latter stages, you know, you see a lot of people, you know, stretching out those calves, and and uh, you know, they're more than likely cramping uh, mm-hmm. as a result of that. But but that that sort of tells me that, that they're just not conditioned, like that. The, the, those calves just don't have the conditioning there. Now, how are you going to do that? You can either you can either run more and get fitter that way, or strength train or, or combination of, of both ideally and mm. uh, and make sure that those uh, those calves can can handle the load same with the hip flexors you know they get that real fatigue and tightness there that they just have to stop at a certain point of a run well how about you can either you know condition it through through running or or uh, or add uh, strength training in there as well too yeah yeah okay so if if tightness isn't sort of the main issue that you see runners um having and then causing injury what sort of factors oh should we look out for in terms of injury prevention and and managing um i guess niggles before they turn into injuries i'm assuming strength training is part of that but are there other factors like training load and other things that you normally look out for in terms of preventing injuries yeah and i think um you know running injuries are, are certainly the multifactorial so there's this com- a combination of, of lots of different things that will go into it and, and i don't think that's where a lot of the research that's sort of looked into um uh, you know factors that contribute to injury it's, it's very mixed and, and there's really you know there's not a lot that consistently comes up even training loads which is something that you know everyone espouses and I'm, a, I'm certainly a big advocate for this but even training load is it's not consistent there was a, a, um, a systematic review last year uh, that reviewed all the, the the studies looking at training loads and training load spikes and, and errors and that sort of thing in the injury and that even wasn't conclusive either so we can't say you know that it's one particular factor and I think that's the problem with with a lot of research is that because you know say I, I get injured the factors that that, that contributed to my injury could be very different to to yours so you know mm. that, that uh, and so then the problem is that when we look at a group a lot of those factors get washed out so for me it might have been I just did too much so it was a training load error but for you it could have been well you didn't you, you didn't sleep for you weren't sleeping well for two weeks um, mm. so you know we've always got to consider you know the 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 things that contribute to it can be yeah, sort of training loads, um, you know, biomechanics, 
Uh, tissue quality, so things like, you know, um, strength and flexibility as well too, so not, not ignoring those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got other things like psychosocial as well too. So, you know, the, the person's stress levels, what's going on in their life, um, their, their recovery as well as part of that, you know, sleep, diet, uh, and then sometimes genetics as well too. So that's sort of poorly understood area, but some people are just more prone to to uh, to injuries and, and uh, you know, uh, see a certain population that just always get tendon injuries. You know, they're just prone to getting tendon injuries. And I'd, I'd, I would, you know, be certain there'd be some sort of genetic uh, predisposition there that, um, that, that then, you know, they make some other errors on top of that and, and, and there's their injury. So it's always something that we need to consider when we've got a runner in front of us. We've got to sort of try and, you know, pick out, get an overall picture of, of that person that's in front of you of where are some areas that they may need to, uh, may need to work on. Um, and training load is, is certainly a, an important part of that. Um, you can argue that obviously if you weren't training you wouldn't get a running injury so um you know we always need to work out uh how much you know the runner is doing uh how much they should be doing uh you know working out where they need to need to get to so if they've got a particular running goal we've got to work out how to get them from where they are now which is often injured um in terms of building them up to to the point of of whether it's a race or or something that they've got uh, they've got in mind or just you know getting back to to running for um for their for their health physical and mental health so um um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a really got to be a quite um, uh, holistic in, in your mm. approach. And, and I think that's where, you know, going back to with uh, the difference in practitioners, I think chiropractic has traditionally been quite good in terms of holistic and considering, you know, the person that's in front of you and, and, uh, and also, you know, looking at the body as a, as a whole as well. So I think that that's something that, that you know, we were certainly taught when we were at, we were at uni um, and, uh, you know, le- recognising the interplay between different parts of the body. So the, how the hip, you know, how some issues around the hip could result in some ongoing, you know, calf issues or, or knee problems or, you know, ankle issues that that, that person's having there as well. So it's, um, yeah, there's a lot, lot that sort of goes into it. And these are all sort of the things that are running through your mind when you've got a, a runner in front of you and, and trying to uh, piece together the uh, all the, the pieces of the puzzle yeah definitely so yeah i guess there is always just yeah so many things to consider and you do just have to look at that individual person as an individual and figure out what's actually going on for them um you mentioned biomechanics in there and i think some people seem to sort of disregard biomechanics and have the the thought that your body will just adapt to what it's used to and you'll just change to adapt to however whatever sort of style you run You've mentioned before gait analysis as well. So I'm assuming with most of your runners, you have a look at how they run and how they move. What sort of things are you looking out for? I guess, particularly with the hips, are you looking for sort of pelvic tilt, pelvic drop, um, sort of not getting full hip extension, all those sort of things. Does that come into play with then your exercise programming and your, and your actual rehab treatment, the biomechanics side of it? Yeah, it does. So, I mean, firstly, looking at the, the biomechanics, I mean, we know that there isn't, there's, there's not one way to, not one way to run. So there's not a perfect, perfect running game. And as, as you said, we are all different. You know, you, you can often spot someone a long way away just by the way that they walk or they run. You could say, oh, there's Lydia. And I, I know how she, how she runs um, long before you can see her face. So we've all got different ways of, of moving. And, and so what we look for in, you know, in a running gait analysis is again is, is sort of compiling all these these pieces of the puzzle together. So if we've got someone that does have, uh, say they do have hip issues, uh, then we may be looking for, you know, for things. If we're, we're looking specifically for the hip, we may look at yeah that that um, that hip extension range. So you know, are they uh, in terms of from the, the leg going to toe off? So that's as your as your ground, your, your foot's about to go off the ground. You know, is that quite limited there? Uh, we're looking at overall posture as well too. 
so they may have a really sort of flex posture if they're trying to forget, you know, trying to protect that uh, protect that hip there. Um, we're looking from behind. What we what we look for through there is looking at the level of the of the pelvis. So if we're looking from someone from behind there, we're looking at the at say the belt line, and we don't want to see that belt line dropping, you know, dropping down excessively. Um, that's something and and as a bit of an aside from that, a lot of people, when they see that, think that, oh, that means that you've got weak glutes, you know, or you've got, you know, that's where the, the lazy glutes gets thrown in there. Yeah. But there's actually been a few studies to show that there's actually poor correlation between strength and that, uh, that, that drop. So some people can have adequate strength and they, they still drop. Uh, and so we know there, therefore, if we were seeing that, you can't assume that they've got, uh, that they've got uh, hip, uh, you know, hip uh, loss of uh, hip strength. And so, but we also know that if, even if they did, if they did have insufficient strength, simply strengthening the hip does not actually change the movement pattern. So if you've got, you actually need to retrain through gait retraining, you need to retrain that, uh, that, that, that pelvic drop there. So uh, that's where, you know, again, so if we've sort of got a, a runner in front of us, we're seeing that drop, they've also, but they've also got, you know, they, they could do with some better strength around that outside of the hip. We give them some hip strengthening exercises, but then we also give them some cues and some ways when they're running to try and maintain that, uh, that level pelvis. Because if we don't do that, then that pelvic drop may, may still be there. Now, in terms of getting that, if we think that that's contributing to the, the runner's symptoms, uh, we don't know, you know, if, and if you've got lack of strength and the, the, the gait, um, uh, what we're seeing on their running gait, we don't know which part of that is, is you know, is, is uh, I guess, contributing more. Uh, and by working on both simultaneously, we may not know. I mean, you could decide you might take a bit more of a strategic approach and say, all right, we're seeing both these things happen here. Uh, let's try and work on this first. And let's then, then you know, then we can add that in, add that in next. Now, um, running gait, I, I don't tend to do that because I guess you sort of want to just get people, you know, and runners want to get better as quickly as they, as they can. So sometimes you just need to need to do, okay, we're going to do this and this, but we won't, if you get better, we won't really know what it, uh, what it was that did it. Um, but um, uh, the, the advantage of, of with modifying someone's gait is that you can sometimes, you can almost speed up the process. So you can see, and, and what I like to do is, is, you know, if we've got a runner that's, that's got a, a hip pain of five out of 10, say, you know, on a, on a visual analog scale, five out of 10, um, we get them, we change, you know, something about them, give them a cue, uh, whether that's, you know, try and keep the pelvis level, or if we've got some, you know, footage of them or a mirror or something in front of them that they can, they can see what they're doing, uh, they can correct that. Uh, then all of a sudden their pain's now down to a two out of 10. And we can send them off and we say, look, we still need to strengthen this. Uh, let's keep working, you know, work on this strength and build that up at the same time. But they're now able to, to run with, with, you know, a lot less pain. And that, that doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, I'd see it certainly happen enough, uh, not just around the hip, but in, in other areas as well, like around the knee. Uh, and so in, in that sense, it's, it's, you know, it's great for the runner because now they've, they're able to, to run with, uh, with less pain. Um, and, you know, does that change need to be permanent? Not necessarily. Um, is it often? Yeah, look, we'll often see, you know, we'll follow up with the runner later on down the track and they've still maintained that, uh, that, that gait change that we have. But it's not always necessary. If we can get them through, you know, their, their, their injury or their, their pain uh, and then that goes away, whether they revert back to their old style and so long as I guess we're not seeing a, a, a repeated re-injury cycle occurring uh, I, i'm fine with that um, again the, the idea is not to have everyone running the exact same way and all with with perfect uh, perfect mechanics um, but um, it, you know it comes down to comes down to again what the, the runner in front of you wants 
uh, whether they just want to get through this or whether they really want to, you know, I guess improve their performance and try and do everything they can to, uh, to stop it from, from recurring. Mm, that's really interesting. Um, and you were saying as well before how you can recognise a runner usually by just how they move before you actually realise who it is. Um, mm. Well, sorry, by actually seeing their face. Mm. Um, what about fatigue? How much does that play into it? Because obviously the way someone looks at the start of a race compared to in the middle and maybe even when they're crossing the finish line because they might pick it up a bit just in front of their friends. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we do know, like, there is quite a bit of evidence to show that, you know, fatigued muscles or um, just a fatigued person is more prone to injury. Um, but what about changing biomechanics? Like, is that yep. something to consider as well when assessing patients? Because, I mean, someone might run in front of you and, and look really good, but, you know, how do we know where they might break down down the track or, you know, later yep. in a race or week or whatnot? Absolutely. And that, that's where, um, you know, there's a couple of things to that. And, and yes, um, fatigue certainly does uh, affect running form. And there's nothing like seeing, uh, you know, just get down to the end of a marathon and see, see all sorts of uh, people that are, that are uh, slumped forward. And, and that's one of the, the first things that we see with fatigue is that it tends to, uh, we tend to get a, a forward lean. So more of that, that trunk flexion uh, and that changes, changes a lot of, lot of things there. But, um, uh, and so yes, it does. And you can, Generally, my experience, you if you're looking for something and you're assessing them when fresh, you'll often see, you know, something that may, you may be able to link to there. So say we talk about that, you know, that pelvic drop that we spoke about before. Often that's there when, when people are fresh. Uh, and, you know, with fatigue, maybe it increases a few, a few degrees. Um, but you often see, you know, what you, what you, you need to see. Um, if you want to take it to the next level, I mean, I have done this before where I've got runners you know, on the check them fresh, go, get, send them out for a run and then bring them back in and then assess, assess after, uh, after that. So I have done that before. Um, but, you know, one of the, one of the uh, I guess, the, the classic uh, injuries that sort of kicks in at a certain point is, is ITB syndrome. And that's, uh, you know, where very classic, they'll say it, it starts at, you know, 4Ks, 6Ks, you know, 40 minutes into the run, bang, there, then, then it comes. Um, but again, often looking at those runners, you can see if there's a mechanical issue there that they, it's it's there when they're fresh. It just gets you know just may get exaggerated when they're uh, when they're they're tired, or that you may not see any change at all when they're in their mechanics when they're tired. But their mechanics predispose certain structures, and then the the, the, the function of those muscles there starts to they start to, to become they they fatigue, and so they don't give that support, and then things start to uh, start to get painful there. So you may not necessarily see deterioration in mechanics. But the way that they move um, dictates what, what, where things may go uh, may go wrong. Mm, yeah, very interesting. I guess um, I mean, obviously, everyone is different. But from mm. what you said, you know, you might see those small changes, but it's yeah. there's there's still a lot more going on that isn't always visible. And I guess yeah, um, yeah, just a muscle that might be predisposed to fatigue. Um, you know, you may not see it, but that mm. runner is obviously feeling the consequences of that. Yep. Um, I guess we'd probably like to sort of dive into, um, you know, probably two of the main injuries that come up with runners. Um, I mean, from what you've said, but from, from our experience as well, um, the first one would be bursitis. And you did mention that that's actually more common in women. Um, would you be able to sort of tell us a little bit about who the people are who normally get it and yeah. I guess the main causes 
of hip bursitis? So what we tend to, and, and you know, there's a number of bursa that are, that are around the hip that when, when generally when people say, and I'm assuming it's more that, that uh, trochanteric bursitis on the outside of the hip, because uh, you can also have obviously around the front, you've got the your hip flexor as well, and there's, a, there's also a bursa around there, but that tends to give more pain in through the front of the hip. The, the one that we tend to see, and yeah, it is more common in, in, uh, in, in females, is that outside of hip pain. Now, generally with the, the bursa, so the bursa for our listeners is, is, is a, basically a sack of fluid. It's a cushion. Uh, and what happens is that that, that cushion overlies. It, its job is to sort of uh, provide some allow movement, so some sliding and gliding between tissues. And it can also act as a bit of a, a bit of a, a cushion as well too. Now, on that outside of the, the hip there, it, it lies right next to the gluteal tendon. So this is where the, the, the tendons and, and especially that glute medius and the glute minimus come down and attach onto the onto our hip bone called the uh, called the greater trochanter there. So that's that bony bit you feel on the outside of the hip there. Now, if you sort of if someone's got this, if they just find that bony bit and they just wiggle their hands up a little bit, a fraction higher uh, up from that, and they feel that tender spot around through there then there's two things that they're going to be pressing on that, or that, can, that can cause that pain. One is the, the bursa and two is the, is the tendon there. Now, generally, it's, it's not that common to see the bursa just irritated for no reason. Um, what we tend to find is that it's often agitated because the tendon next to it is agitated. And that sends a, you know, that irritation, the tendon there then sensitizes and, and aggravates the, uh, the bursa. So whenever we're seeing sort of someone diagnosed with a, you know, a bursitis, especially that, that trochanteric bursitis, then usually the, the, the tissue that we want to target is, is more going to be the glute, uh, glute medius. And that's where, you know, going in there with an injection as, if, as your first line of treatment is, is not, not ideal because it's not doing anything to improve the function. It might help to, it may help to settle down the pain in that area. Um, and sometimes if pain is really, really severe, that, that you know, that you may, you, that can be used. You know, I have used injections before in the past for this glute med tendinopathy, but it's certainly not the first, uh, first point of call. Um, you want to be going after, after strength uh, and, and really getting that, uh, getting some good strength into that, uh, to the outside of the hip there and that, that glute medius uh, and getting that, uh, that tendon happy. And then we see that the bursa all settle down as well too. Mm. Have you got any sort of just quick examples to share with the listeners if, if they have struggled with this in the past? Obviously, we recommend going to see a professional in person and getting a diagnosis and all of that. But just as a general rule of thumb, just some glute medius strengthening exercises. Have you got some examples of those, maybe some easier ones and slightly more challenging yeah, so there's a, a few few ones. I mean, the, the simplest one is just standing on one leg. So uh, anything when you sort of shift your weight onto to one leg there is, is going to put some challenge around through the uh, the outside of the hip there. That's, uh, I guess, more uh, a lower um, demand. So that's sort of an easy an easy one for people to do. Uh, then we can progress to, to harder ones. So uh, some of the banded walks. So that's where you put the uh, put the band, uh, you know, elastic band, uh, the theraband around the, the feet. So around towards the end near your toes and you separate the feet shoulder width apart and then you do you take some steps out to the side and then you take some steps out to the other side and sort of going from left to right uh, and there's you know they're called sumo or monster walks and and uh, and then we've also got um, you then progress where you continue from that then taking some steps forwards and backwards whilst the band's under tension so that's a, a another good uh, good progression there and then 
we've got going down, getting down onto the ground uh, and doing just a, a side plank, actually. So just doing a side plank. So getting up onto, if you, you can get up onto your, uh, your ankles there um, and holding that to that position. Uh, otherwise, if you find that too hard to do, then you can get up onto the, uh, just onto the knees. So you bend your knees and plank up onto the, uh, onto the knees there. And then you can progress that further by raising that top leg. So that puts 100% because when you've got your two legs stacked up on top of each other for a plank, both legs are sort of helping out a bit. But once you, once you raise that top leg, all that body weight is on the, is on the line on there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you can feel your hips burning just, just, just mm. talking about that. Uh, and then you can do all sorts of stuff with that one. You could be moving the leg around, you know, raising it up and down. You could be moving that, 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 that leg into a running action as well. So, I mean, there's, there's so many exercises that, uh, that, that, that target that, uh, that glute need. You know, there's, there's, there's hundreds of exercises. They're, they're probably just some of the, the main few that are, that are easy to use. But in terms of actually... The, the most demand on that muscle. So if you're really looking for something that uh, that gets a, a real maximal contraction, is that is that uh, that that side plank with the top leg raised. So that's sort of mm. is the, the sort of the more challenging one that you can get and, and targeting that um, that that glute med muscle. Awesome. Thank you for that. I think um, yeah, everyone can give that a bit of a go and see how they see how they handle it. Yeah, and that's also you know we mentioned before about the the home strength test as well too. That's a, I suppose a good uh, good point to mention that is that uh, you know if you want to assess that and obviously in clinic we use uh, we've got a, a device called a handheld dynamometer which is basically a, a thing that we get people to uh, to push into and, and that gives us a, a measure of strength there. But um, if you want to test it test it out yourself at home, just do a, a side uh, a side plank um, and uh, and see if you can. Um, it, it's to to test this one actually we tend to prefer people have their foot up on a step so if you imagine that you're you know sideways to a stair you've got your feet up on on the, the bottom step uh you get up in your side plank position and then you raise your top leg so again you're putting all that weight down through that through that lower leg uh, and then you try and hold on for dear life so try and hold on for as, as long as you can and uh the aim with that is to try and get to get 40 seconds so longer than 40 seconds on each light uh, each leg and uh, and a no greater than than uh 10% difference from side to side so our listeners out there can can give that a go and, and don't curse me when you wake up the uh the next day with the yeah. um with, with sore, sore hips but uh it's yeah. certainly uh, it's certainly a challenge that one but that's that's the whole, that's one of the home tests that we can get taken and and can use in the clinic as well if you don't have a, a handheld dynamometer that's something i used to uh, used to do before I, I would uh, I had uh, access to one of those that's so good Sophie and I will have to give that one a go yeah, yeah we um, can do like a live stream who can hold it the like, longest <laughs> the side plank off that's right it's uh oh. yeah. hopefully, longer than, hopefully longer than 40 seconds oh, <laughs> I don't know actually I don't know I'm not oh, but we're gonna find out soon yeah. aren't we? And it's interesting too, like, you know, when you, when you start doing this sort of stuff and, and looking at these things and you see, you know, just sometimes the difference in side to side, like I, I got during my last marathon prep, I had been a bit slack on my strength. And so I started back in and, and, and I do some side plank variations to get that, that, uh, that's the, um, the, the testing that all to challenge those glutes, but I had, I had a big difference between left and left and right. I've had mm. in the past, I've had some sort of some niggles on that, that left side. And that was quite a bit weaker. Um, so, and I wasn't really feeling it. I didn't feel anything during a run, but uh, I, I felt that. So it was sort of a, a real, yeah, cue to me to now I need to get back into, into this and, and keep things, uh, keep things in check. Mm, that's interesting. I, sorry. Here you go. I was just going to ask, are those um, values different between genders? Like, or between different types of runners? Like, would a sprinter expect to get more or less? Um, like, the demand's different, gender yeah. and distance of running? 
Yeah, so I think that um, when you're looking at uh, certainly looking at level of, of runners, I mean elites, you want to see you want to see be getting getting above that because they're they're, uh, they're, they're, they're place, placing a high demand on there. Also, if anyone's doing any any change of direction sport as well, so if they're also doing you know if they're involved in netball or, or you know soccer or AFL where sports that involve a lot of change of direction, um, then they're going to need more strength in the outside of the outside of the hip there. Also, trail runners too, and, that, and that's something that uh, you know after this trail run that I did recently you know you realize that the, the, the differences in demands and I know both of you are quite uh, quite keen on your on your trail running but um, uh, just with the change of direction the steep downhill and even the, the uphill there as well it does really challenge those hips in, in a different way than you know road running which is what most of my training is is just straight in a straight line um, mm. so anything that involves change of direction is going to put uh, put more challenge on that so so those sort of you know trail runners and and uh, you know field athletes I'd, I'd want to see that be, be higher male or female no they're actual normative data on this is pretty close in, in, in terms of uh, male and female and this the main normative data for this test was done in collegiate, ath- collegiate athletes I think so um, no I think I think that 40 is, a, 40 is an, an achievable mark really for anyone of, of any age whether it be male or female mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's that's always sort of the bar that I will use for uh, use for that oh, and, really and I guess further on that so um, I mean obviously it's a test that you use so I imagine that you you like the test, um, but how much of a crossover is there with an isometric contraction compared to a muscle being being able to work in an unstable environment? Because obviously, when you're running, you're not just paused in one fixed position. And a lot of people talk about functionality and having, you know, exercises that are specific to your activity. So you know, a lot of people are trying to make their movements look like you're running which yeah. obviously they can't be completely um because you know that's probably getting a bit carried away but mm. how much sort of crossover is there like do you ever see someone able to you know contract isometrically really well but then unable to do um i guess like the sidestepping sort of crab walk exercise or yeah. then still sort of getting maybe glute mediums during their run yeah, it's it's a good question. There's a few, and certainly a, a few layers in in that uh, that one there. Firstly, in terms of looking at the test itself, um, if you were to do a, I mean that that side plank, you're bringing a, a lot of different muscles in, involved in there. You're not just testing the uh, testing glutes, but you're also bringing yeah. spinal strength in through there. You're bringing your obliques. You've got your QLs. You've got your you know lumbar rectus spinae. You've got your upper body as well. So you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I'm a classic example of a, a runner's arms here. But you know, just you just the, <laughs> The holding the holding the, sh- the shoulder in that yeah. uh, in that position. So there's a lot of things that you're working in that in, for that particular test, uh, and then you know then versus a, just a doing an, an isometric. Uh, I tend to do more isometric testing for things like this just because it's quicker, so I can get through more tests in that uh, in in that time. And there's also been a lot of um, studies that have looked at you know normative data for for things like that that outside of hip strength. Um, so that's sort of, you know, they, they, they are, they are testing different things and you're not purely isolating, isolating one. Now, what you sort of then, the, the, the next question you just sort of said, well, how does that sort of correlate to, you know, we've got a particular muscle and then how does that then work into a more complex movement like running? Uh, and I think that, um, there's, you've got, I mean, strength, strength is strength in that if you've got, uh, 
I'm just trying to think of a way to, to phrase this, but if you've got um, sufficient strength and you've got good, uh, say, a good volume of muscle through there, so you've got a, a nice, you know, big cross-sectional area of a muscle, it's going to be able to generate more force. Therefore, when it comes to movement, it's going to, it will actually be able to contribute more to that, that particular movement. And therefore, when, it, when we come to, to training, whether we train parts or train the whole, I think that there's, there's certainly um, justification for doing both. And for a lot of my strength um, training that I'll do with my, my runners and, and as with other athletes is you may have some isolation exercises, but you'll also have your more complex movement exercises like your squat, your compound movements, like your squats and your deadlifts and you know your lunges or all that sort of thing. Um, and I, I tend to, to marry them both. So we've got, if we've got someone with a, you know, a, a, a lost a lack of that um, hip abduction strength, then I might have them doing some more complex movements like some arabesques and, and sort of, you know, single leg exercises there or some really elevated split squats or some lunges. But then at the end of that, uh, that session, then we'll incorporate some, you know, some side planks or some banded walks and, and that sort of stuff to really more isolate that, uh, that outside of hip strength. In terms of the other part of the question that you mentioned there about with, you know, should your strength exercises replicate your, 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 your running? Uh, and the answer to this is, is no, it doesn't need to. So we don't need to, you know, we don't need to be doing weighted running, essentially, you know, holding some dumbbells and just, and, you know, run, run on the spot. Um, we need to be hitting the muscles and in terms of, you know, really building strength, it needs to be heavy. So we want to be in, you know, less than sort of 12, 12 rep range, you know, ideally in that six to eight rep range there. So we want to be working, we want to be getting hypertrophy in these muscles. Um, and so long as you the exercises that you're choosing get that hypertrophy in the, the muscles relevant for running. So that would be mainly the quads and the quads and the calves are sort of the two areas that you really want to hit. Uh, it doesn't matter what the exercise looks like, you know, a knee extension, a seated knee extension exercise, if you're getting hypertrophy on the quads, that's still going to give you greater volume in that quad that you're then going to be able to tap into when you run. So it doesn't need to look like it look like running. Um, and I think that's something that sort of, yeah, is, is sort of being moved away from and, and, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, done years, years ago, you know, did a lot of stuff with the functional movements and, and that sort of thing. And I think there's, there's certainly um, merits to that, but there's, I think you can, the pendulum can swing too far one way where, you know, everything you're doing resembles the activity and then you can go down to just purely, you know, isolation exercise. And I think somewhere in the, in the middle is, is sort of the, the common ground there. And that's where I've sort of found, found myself, you know, I guess sitting at the moment and, you know, that may change over the years. Like I've, I've you know, different uh, hours practicing 10 years ago and I'm sure in 10 years I'll be, you know, doing different stuff to what I'm doing now, but that's sort of where, where I sit at the moment is, you know, a little bit of this, but a little bit of that, uh, that there as well too. Mm, yeah super interesting I think yeah everything you're saying makes so much sense just coming back to the evidence and just doing the right thing for the right person um yeah that's all yeah super useful information can we go through a little bit about hamstring tendinopathies now so I guess that's another common one in this sort of region um so if you want to just touch on just again the causes um I guess the mechanics of, of what's involved and then maybe some common exercises you could use to help with that yeah, so hamstring tendinopathy is literally a pain in the butt. Uh, it's, it's probably one of my, if I was to choose a tendinopathy of what not to have, I would I would not want to have this one um, because it just, 
it's not only is it is it pain, you know, the, these these people that get uh, pain on running, but it just interferes with your day to day life, like sitting mm-hmm. down, like we're all doing at the moment, um, sitting on your butt, and and for these people, it's it's really quite sore. So it's one of these running injuries that we see can really affect their their activities of of, of daily living. So it's a real, yeah, it's a nasty nasty one to treat. Um, and you know, part of the, the management of these is you also have to address some of those day to day things as well. It's not just the running that you're looking at, but also you know how much time are they spent sitting and you know how can we find strategies around that so you know for those that suffer basically that the hamstring tendinopathy is pain that's really up the very very top of the thigh so it's it's almost like when you sit down you're sitting on your sit bone uh, which is what we call the ischial tuberosity and that's right where this hamstring tendon attaches into there so and the the the, 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 um basically with that that hamstring tendinopathy it's that that tendon that's quite so quite agitated some of the things that we look for for this, um, if we look at uh, obviously running loads, so sort of seeing what they've, you know, what they've, if they've been doing too much too, you know, too much too soon. Um, hills, it tends to be worse on, on running uphill um, for these. So we sort of look at, you know, what, what your elevation's been like recently. Have you been, if you introduced um, some, you know, some hill work, uh, again, the, the demand on the hamstrings we mentioned earlier on uh, goes up with increasing speed. So have you done a lot more speed work recently? Have you just introduced some speed work um, because that tends to tends to aggravate this uh, this as well um, from other things that may have triggered it from a gym perspective so uh, you know have you all of a sudden introduced um, you know you've really worked your squat depth you know you've been really going deeper in your squat you've been doing some lunges you've added some you know some jumping lunges split lunges those, those sort of things there um, uh, some deadlifts uh, so we, we look for you know whether there may be a trigger that's uh, that's outside of outside of running there well sometimes i mean i actually saw uh, a lot of this in the in the last two years a lot of hamstring tendinopathy uh come on and and for a number of these people it was attributed to sitting increase in sitting time um these were people you know down in melbourne we had some pretty lengthy lockdowns unfortunately and so a lot of people were were at home um, working and uh you know their, their activity level went plummeted uh you know where they were used to being in the office and they were getting up every now and then to get something from the printer or they were you know walking around the office they were then sitting down all day and the most walking they ever did was going from their their, their home their home you know computer to the bathroom in the kitchen and that's all they do so um yeah for there was actually a number of those that, that we could attribute to uh, to, to an increase in, in sitting time. So, um, so that obviously needs to be addressed. And um, for, for the for the worst ones of these, you know, sometimes you have to look at if they've got a sedentary job where they're in front of a computer, you need to look at um, uh, at getting a sit stand desk uh, just to get them off their, their butt a bit more, or at least sort of you know taking regular breaks from from sitting. Um, introducing cushions, like sitting on cushions, so making sure they're not on not on hard chairs there, just to give that a bit of a bit of cushioning. I think that's probably one of the, the issues with with us runners is that you know we don't have the, the cushioning around our backside, if you like, so it can be a bit um, a bit more exposed where that side is. So making sure it's sitting on something uh, the, the cushion there. Um, in terms of strengthening, so we sort of yeah work people through a progressive progressive strength of that uh, of the hamstring there. So that's where we can do uh, initially doing some isolation stuff. So whether that be doing some hamstring curls, so you know laying on the tummy and just bending that um, the, the, the the knee up to the buttock there. Whether that's at home with some bands or in a uh, in a gym with a with a, um, a, a leg curl machine, uh, then we can start to incorporate that into a different movement. So doing things like bridges, and that might be just bridges flat on the floor you know adding some weight onto that uh, then we might elevate the leg up onto a step so we're starting to bring the, the the leg up into a bit more of a challenging range there 
um, because we tend to find that as that knee comes up towards the chest there, it, that, that sometimes the hamstring doesn't like that too much. So we sort of gradually progress that range as they're able to tolerate. Uh, we look at things like hip thrusters also can be used as well. Uh, and then we've got our, our other hinging movements. So our, our deadlifts, we can start with, you know, they might be able to do partial range deadlifts or rack pulls where they're not, they're not lifting off the floor because being down, lifting off the floor tends to may hurt them. So we sort of raise the height off that. We might put them on blocks or put it in a rack um, and then doing some single leg, single leg work as well. So some arabesque, um, just again, working the range that they, they can. Uh, and then things like looking at squats and lunges as well in terms of uh, in terms of depth. So you may need to modify that. So there's always something. You know, we always want to be training around the, around the injury. We never sort of you know very rarely we, is there there a justification for completely stopping stuff. So um, and and that same goes with running too. So quite often people with these are able to run through them as they as they get um, you know as as the as it improves. Um, but uh, we just got to make sure that the, the running that they're doing is not upsetting it or, or, or just, yes, yeah, so setting it back. Um, so sticking with flatter runs, you know, slower, just sort of building up more of a, more of a, a mileage base than, uh, than doing the faster work. So um, there are a few things um, in terms of collagen, something I've also been using a bit of in terms of supplementation. So collagen is, is one that, uh, that I've been using increasingly over the years for, especially for tendinopathies. Um, there's some emerging evidence to, to show with that. Um, you know, I've, I've learned from, you know, many a sport dietitian that have been using this at uh, a lot of the AFL clubs. They've been using collagen for, for a long time now, and it's certainly nothing, nothing new. Um, but, uh, but that's also something for our runners, if they're having any, any sort of tendinopathies issues there that the collagen can be uh, can be useful for uh, for that um, and yeah that's probably and then again sort of you know looking at some of these other sort of contributors like their you know the, the, the stresses they've got going on in their lives the recovery they've got all those sort of things also need to be taken into account as well but they're probably some of the the main things that uh, that our runners could uh, could put into practice yeah awesome yeah i didn't know about um collagen that's really interesting um i definitely keen to have a look into that um, yeah. something something else I was um just curious about what you're talking about when you're saying sitting down is um well I guess this is my question is is the actual sitting prolonged sitting is it the pressure on the tendons after you've already got an injury or is it just being in a static position for a long time that's potentially contributing to weakness tightness stiffness like what are the main issues with that prolonged sitting uh it, it could be both it, it could be um that uh but it's mainly due to um it, we suspect it's due to puts it in a more compressed position and tendons don't like being compressed and that's where for this got to be careful with stretching. So stretching is not something we often prescribe, you know, like bring, you know, your typical hamstring stretches where you're bending over to touch your toes. Again, that sort of tends to put that, that tendon in a, in a compressed position against the, um, against that, uh, that ischial tuberosity or that sit bone. So we suspect it's, it's more to do with that, but you're right. Periods of inactivity, generally tendons don't like either. You know, we see that with Achilles. If you've been sort of sitting down, you go to stand up and, you know, people have to hobble around for, for, for a little bit until, you know, that it gets some movement 
been through there. So the same can apply to the the, um, the, the hamstring tendon. But I, I suspect, in my opinion, I think it's more due to the compression because they don't tend to have the same thing if they're standing. If they're standing for a while, I mean, there's not a lot of activity happening in that hamstring when you're, when you're standing still. Uh, and then they don't have that, you know, if they were standing for, for half an hour and then they went to go off and walk, they don't often complain of, oh, yeah, it just feels really stiff, you know, for the first, the first few steps. So they wouldn't discount that, but I, I, I suspect that the main, main trigger there is, the, uh, is compression. Mm, yeah, right. Very interesting. Um, I guess there's lots of factors, right? Um, yeah. And as, as you said, heaps of times, everyone is so different. So, yeah, yeah a whole lot to look at. Um, yeah, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, um, Luke, you've probably got to get going to your clients soon. But we may, we've, I mean, we've got so much more to ask you. So I think you're definitely just going to have to come back on. We might have to just do one body part oh, at a time. Oh, that's, that's the thing. I, I could sit here all day and talk about, yeah. talk about running. Oh, but, uh, so I've, got a, I've got a captive audience in you too. As I said, that uh, my wife would be rolling her eyes. But uh, yeah. no, no. It's, it's, oh, we'll uh, chat anytime. Anytime yeah. we've got running, just give us a call. Yeah, um, but one final question that we'll finish off with, our favourite question. What are your favourite running shoes? Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> I've just actually just bought my, uh, I think what I'm on to now, my eighth pair of, of uh, New Balance 1080s. So I, I do, yeah, I found them really comfy. I, lo- I just love the foam. I, I, mm. Yeah, it just really, really fits for me. And, and the rocker, I, I, I really like those. So they're probably... Probably uh, um, they'd be up there. Although I don't know, my vapor flies. I do like. I do like my vapors. I do like to, to put them on, and you know, there's just a, a nice feel to those as well. So I don't know. I don't know if they're, they're listening out there. If they're, <laughs> uh, the uh, 1080s are out there actually, but uh, yeah. look, I might have to go. I might have to go the, the vapors. I do like the, the, okay. the, the feel of feel of those. Um, mm-hmm. And I've I've used a, a variety of shoes over the years. Of going, even going from barefoot and, and, and minimalist mm-hmm. when I, you know, you know, probably how long ago now? Probably 10 or 12 years ago, I did a lot of a lot of running without shoes um and sort of yeah sort of found i guess that my, my favorite shoes changes for over a period of time but for now i think we'll, we'll go with the uh, the vapor flies okay very good yes wow so, that's awesome yeah. gosh wow well thank you so much for coming on i mean as so said there really there's just so much we could chat about <laughs> we'd be here all day um but i mean that was really insightful i think there's just so much there and hopefully well I, I know our listeners are going to get heaps out of that I mean there's so many sort of tests that people can take home and just give a go you know in their living room straight away although I think most people listen to these while they're running so yeah. um, maybe stop at a park bench get your side plank out yeah, but just make sure you, you don't, you've got uh, you've got enough energy to run home though too. So Ooh, that's but, true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, look, it's been it's been an absolute uh, honour to to be on and yeah, to be the first chiropractor on the uh, on the, the talk. So I appreciate your, your time, so from Liz. Thanks for uh, having me on, and, and look forward to hearing about your uh, continued adventures in in the future episodes as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate. It. You're obviously very busy, so thank you for giving up some of your time, and we'll book you in for monthly chats. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, thanks, thanks Luke.